Uh, we need more. We still can't graduate enough LBTs to meet the need. From the Texas Veterinary Medical Association in Austin, Texas, this is Veterinary Vitals, a show that features open and honest conversations with veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Dina Goldstein, Media Coordinator for TVMA. Licensed Veterinary Technicians, LVT for short, are a vital member of the veterinary team. If you listen to the fourth episode of our podcast, titled The Benefits of Utilizing LVTs, you might remember they can help reduce burnout, enhance wellness among veterinarians, increase revenue, and save clinics money. That conversation was with David Sessom. He was the first LVT to serve on the TVMA Board of Directors and to chair a TVMA committee. He earned the 2019 TVMA LVT of the Year Award. He serves as an associate professor at Lone Star College Veterinary Technology Program at Tomball. He has a lot in common with our guest today, Joyce Brode. She's an LVT and also works at Lone Star College Veterinary Technology Program, but as its director. And she also earned the TVMA LVT of the Year Award. That was back in 2018. She is the chair of the TVMA Credentialing Committee and a longstanding member of the Paraprofessional Committee. In this episode, she talks about the availability of education for LVTs over the past 40 years, as well as the need for more veterinary technology schools. But first, let's learn about Joyce's introduction to the profession. She knew as early as high school that she wanted to pursue veterinary medicine, and it all started with a lamb, a lamb named Mr. I had a lamb, I was an ag, so I raised lambs. And my second year, my ag project, my lamb, he became ill and we had to take him to our local veterinary hospital. It's all of our ag projects. So my ag teacher and I took him over there and the associate veterinarian on call, um, you know, took the lamb into a regular dog and cat exam room, put him on the exam table, placed a catheter, started fluids, got him, started giving him injections, taking blood. And for me, being 16 years old, I was just you know, bug-eyed. And, wow, look at all this. You know, I was just very intrigued. And I think that was that first uh, catalyst that sent me in that direction. I knew I did not want to go the veterinary route. I wanted to go the other route of doing all these other tasks. Mm-hmm. So when I investigated that, I found out at the time there were three colleges in Texas that had the program. So there was Cedar Valley College, TSTI in Waco, and Sol Ross University in Alpine. Um, kind of weighed my options between those three and decided that I would rather choose the university route because I could do my two-year associate degree for my veterinary technology but also go ahead and get my bachelor's degree if I chose to which is ultimately what I did so that was kind of my first you know interest in it Mm -hmm. and I kind of developed that as I went along Uh, sad part of the story the lamb did not make it lamb did die but um, the associate veterinarian that saw my lamb that night has become a lifelong mentor to me. Wow. So he's also a past TVMA president, Dr. Dale Lonsford. And uh, he was the associate. I actually eventually did my internship with him while I was in college. And I worked for him prior to going into education, I mean academia, at uh, Lone Star College. So we've had a, a very longstanding you know, professional relationship, and he's probably one of my uh, most prominent mentors that I've had that kind of helped me in that direction. 
Joyce delves a little deeper into Dr. Lonsford's impact on her career. I was working uh, for Dale Lonsford, and uh, we had a, a life change. We actually flooded out of our home. So we moved about 45 miles away from Dr. Lonsford's practice. So it was a very long commute. Uh, My daughter was small at that time, so she was starting grade school, so I didn't want to be that far away from her. So that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to have to make a career change. And he's actually the one that came in and told me about the position that then it was Tom Ball College, now Lone Star. And he told me about the position. And I was immediately like, no, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not my area of expertise. He kept saying, yes, yes, you need to go apply for that. You need to go apply for that. <laughs> and I was like, no, I really don't want to. Yeah. And it took him about two weeks of constantly asking me before I finally said, okay, I'll, I'll call and get an interview. So anyway, I went into the interview and... Um, it was the longest interview I've ever been on in my life. It was four hours. <laughs> wow, that's, that's a long time. <laughs> uh, but uh, and Dr. George Younger was the uh, director at the time at the program. So we you know, chatted for about like an hour or so, and then he said he had to go to class, and would I like to come sit in on class and just kind mm-hmm. of experience what it would be like. Mm-hmm. So I went to class with him. It was a parasitology class, and you know, he's lecturing, and I'm listening, and I'm going, well, I remember some of these words. <laughs> and that was kind of another kind of negative, yeah, this is maybe not for you. So uh, then he took me for the tour of the campus and introduced me to you know, a whole lot of people. So I left and went back to work at Deer Park and kind of forgot about it. Yeah. And about a week and a half later, I get a call from Dr. Younger who says he'd like to offer me the position. So I was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was still like you know, on the fence. I wasn't sure that's what I wanted to do. But, you know, personally, it was best for my family, so yes, I did choose to go to academics. Um, First day of class uh, was my first day on the job, so it was the first fall semester of 1990. So my first day, their first day of class, Mm. basically the first week I just went to class and listened and learned um, before I kind of really was assigned any job duties. Um, But after being there for a year, um, I realized, yeah, I really do. Kind of like this. Mm. Um, I have a whole new different set of clients. They're my students. Yeah. So I see my students as my clients. Um, I still had enough animal contact, but I had more animal contact because we also use large animals. So I was back with cattle and horses again. So it, it all in all, it became a more of a positive experience the more time I spent there. And then I realized, yeah, maybe Dr. Lodsford did see something that I didn't see. And, you know, now I've been there 30 years. <laughs> wow, yeah. And he's played a really big role in your life in terms yeah. of your career from when you were a teenager mm-hmm. to now. So he kind of, you know, pushed me into that position, and it was, you know, kind of the best thing that ever happened, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just that's why I tell my students, you know, don't discount when someone says, hey, you would be good at this, because mm-hmm. it might be the direction you really need to go in. Right. Yeah, someone might see something in you that mm-hmm. you don't see in yourself. Right. And it, and it took a while for me to develop as a faculty member. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I remember my first day in class when I was actually assigned a class, and it was my class. Um, basically, I just stood up there and read to them out of the book. So it was a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. But over time, the more you do it, the easier it gets, the more things you add to your you know, curriculum. And you know, now it's version 30.0. 
And <laughs> when I go into a class now, I mean, I just rarely even look at my notes. I just go in and start teaching yeah, because, you know, it's all in there already. So you know what to do. Yeah, it, you know, it comes easier over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I tell my students that, you know, the more you do it, the easier it is. So you got to try it. You know, just try. That's all it takes. So can you tell me why LVTs are important to the profession? The LVT in any any credentialing aspect, depending on what state you're in, just in Texas we're licensed, in other states they're certified or registered. But the LVT brings forward the how to do it, but also they know the why of their why they're doing it. So it becomes a second level in the clinic that a professionalism that we also know we can do the skill, but why we're doing the skill, what can happen, you know, how to circumvent those things. Um, LVTs are trained in a variety of skills. So like in our program, um, they're taking uh, food animal class, equine class, radiology, clinical pathology, uh, canine and feline diseases, laboratory animal management. There's a variety of classes they take. Mm-hmm. So they have the basics of what they need to function in, in any practice. Whereas, um, you know, the other levels, so we have CVA, we have veterinary assistant, um, not as highly educated, but probably equally as skilled, mm-hmm. but we can take one of our students and put them into a practice anywhere. Within a few weeks, they're functional. Uh, there's not a lot of training that has to be done because they've already been trained. Uh, they do have to take a state national board exam upon leaving our program. So once they pass that, then they become credentialed, and then they have to maintain that. So I think there is a, a purpose and a, a need in every single level in the practice. But we always have to remember that even in the practice, no one person is more important than the other. That's mm-hmm. why we call it a team. Yeah. So even though you know the veterinarian is the highest credential person with the most education, we all have our place in the practice, and as long as we're doing our job, doing what we need to do, everybody works for the benefit of the patient. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately the goal. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're going to talk about the availability of education for veterinary technicians from 1975 to today. So can you um, give us a rundown on that? Um, in 1975 and 76, this is when the first programs opened. So there were three at the time. Uh, and these programs were credentialed or accredited by the American Veterinary Medical Association. So AVMA is our oversight body over our technician programs. Um, there, so there were three then. As time went on, we grew more. Currently, we have 11 that are uh, currently teaching our students. Uh, we need more. Mm-hmm. We still can't graduate enough LVTs yeah. to meet the need. So there is need for you know, many more schools. But um, it has changed in the aspect that you know when I graduated, uh, we didn't even have to take a state national exam. Hmm. All we had to do was graduate from an accredited AVMA program and we became registered in Texas. Saul Ross State University in Alpine, Texas is where she earned her associate's degree in animal health technology and a bachelor's in animal health management. The testing was not mandatory until around 1984. So okay. that's when the testing became mandatory. So students who graduated from AVMA programs then were required to take the exams. Um, So we have grown in the number of schools we have, but we still need more. There are also online opportunities today, too, that we didn't have then. Um, We actually have uh, one online program, Cedar Valley, 
does have an online program. Uh, but those are other old online programs throughout the United States. So even as a Texas resident, a person can do an online program and still graduate from an AVMA accredited school. So there are more options for us today. Uh, there's also four-year programs. So four-year programs are becoming a little bit more common. Uh, we have a couple here in Texas today that um, one is truly a four-year program, the other one is a two-plus-two program where the student leaves a AVMA accredited two-year, they can transfer to the four-year, and then and get a four-year degree in veterinary technology. So why do you encourage veterinarians to hire LVTs? Like, just say they don't know the value of an LVT. Uh, many of them, and many of them do, okay. um, need to understand the level of training the technician has had through yeah. one of our programs. Uh, they can leave our program once they graduate and they have all the basic fundamental skills they need to be effective immediately. Now it's going to take them a few weeks to learn the practice. Uh, they have to learn where everything is, how that practice functions, but as far as the basic skills they already have that so they don't have to train them. Whereas if you are training an, an on-the-job trained person you have to mm -hmm. spend more time with training. Whereas with a graduate from an AVMA program, they have all of that training. They just need to understand your practice, and then they're very effective. Um, and again, not all LVT graduates are, you know, the same. Yeah. Uh, we have, you know, some that are have excellent people skills. We don't have to teach that to them. Others, it's going to take them time to learn those people skills. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that we always do tell our students is, um, we know you come into this with a love for animals. But you have to understand that these animals do not come into the practice all by themselves. They do have a human attached mm -hmm. to them. So we have to make them realize that, that they are going to have to work with people too. And that's probably one of the hardest skills we have to teach them is that people management skill. What would you say is the impetus for the change for more veterinary technology schools and just greater availability of education? Uh, the need. <laughs> uh, well, there's just not enough, but also the problem with the not enough is um, attrition rate in the profession. Okay. So even though we're graduating and we're putting in new, you know, faces every year, we're also losing people. And probably the highest uh, areas where we lose people is, you know, we survey our students and this is what they tell us is you know, utilization. Uh, they're not being utilized to their fullest extent. Uh, they have this you know, myriad of skills that they can do, but they're not being allowed to do them in the practice. And then the other part is salary. Uh, they're not being paid what they should be paid. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is something that a lot of veterinarians have issue with. <laughs> um, but if they realize how much of an asset that LVT can be in their practice, how yeah. much of a financial asset they can be. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I do tell my students is find something in the practice that makes you an asset, mm. that makes you indispensable. I mean, one of, well, I've got really three things that I really like to do, like to do in the practice when I was in private practice, and I still like them. Um, I love working uh, with birds, mm -hmm. so working in an avian practice was fun for me. Uh, we did a lot of birds. <laughs> um, so just learning, uh, you know, handling, uh, behavior, nutrition, all of that was very important. Uh, other things like do, I love to do dentistry. Mm -hmm. um, it's just kind of a sense of satisfaction. You, know, you go from this really nasty, cruddy mouth to a nice, 
right smile. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, so that gives me a sense of gratification. Yeah. yeah. Um, other things I'd like to do, and I didn't get to do enough of it in private practice, so that's kind of why I'm, I really enjoy being in academia because I get to touch on all the aspects, but I love working with cattle. Mm -hmm. So it got me back to being able to work with cattle. So that was fun for me. But uh, just find, you know, telling our students, you know, once you get out there, uh, you know, find something that you really enjoy doing and, you know, concentrate on that. Mm -hmm. You know, make yourself indispensable in that one area so that you are um, doing it well, but you're also providing more income to your practice because right. of it. You know, you touched on this a little bit, the requirements of credentialing for veterinary technicians, like how that's evolved. You said in 1984, um, people had to pass a test. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to learn more about from being RVTs to then you have to, was it in? 2014 is when we became licensed. Yeah, so mm -hmm. could you tell us about that process and uh, your involvement, if, and if any, and TVMA's involvement? So uh, originally, when we when I graduated, we were animal technician registered. We were ATRs. Okay. And that stayed that designation until probably the late '80s, and then we went to registered veterinary technician. Um, and then in 2014, due to uh, efforts by our state technician association, then it was TARVIT, now it's VTAT. Uh, efforts by um, our technician group. Um, bringing that forward to TVMA, TVMA really supporting that, and then taking it to the legislature so that we became licensed. Uh, that was kind of how it transpired. Um, but over the years, even no matter what designation we've had, we've always still had the same mindset is, you know, we're there to support the veterinarians, we're there to support our profession, but kind of bring all that together so that we're all kind of doing the same thing. Uh, as far as the testing, it, when I graduated, there wasn't a required test. It was not mandatory. But you did have to graduate from an AVMA accredited program. And then in 84, they brought the test in, and it was required. But there were also other avenues. Um, there was a grandfathering clause up until 1995. So you didn't have to graduate from an AVMA program. You could have a four-year degree in some other related area. Um, you could have, I think it was 60 college hours plus so many hours work in a veterinary practice. So there were other ways you could sit for the exam up until 95. But we, in 95, we kind of decided <laughs> um, that we really, you know, think that, you know, our profession should have educated, credentialed individuals. Mm -hmm. So we did uh, lobby to do away with the grandfather clause and we were successful in that. So since 95, the only way that, you know, veterinary technicians can become licensed is through an AVMA accredited program. And in many states, it's the same way today. Got it. Um, is there anything else over the past 40 years about education for veterinary technicians that is important for people to know? Um, the educational process has changed. Okay. Uh, when I went to school, we had to create, we had to finish, I think it was 72 or 73 credit hours to get our associate degree. Um, recently, in the last five years, uh, that has been reduced by legislative action down to 60 hours. Uh, but most of the schools were very creative in being able to reduce the credit hours, but not reduce the contact hours that the students are being trained. Mm -hmm. So essentially, with our program, our students are still getting the same contact hours and training, but it's 60 credit hours worth. 
So 60 credit hours to the student is good because that reduces their financial burden. Mm -hmm. So instead of having to pay for 72 credit hours, they only have to pay for 60 credit hours. Got it. But their contact hours, the type of hours that they're actually in class, mm -hmm. is still the same. Okay. So they're still getting the same education, they're just having to pay a little bit less for it, which the student likes. Um, the content of what the education is has definitely grown over the years. Uh, many of the things that we uh, teach our students today is way beyond what I learned in school. Uh, all of the skills that we teach today are probably doubled from what I learned in school. So there, there are many things that I am teaching my students that I've had to learn in order to teach them. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, to stay up to date. To stay up to date, yes. Yeah, that's Which, important. The other importance is our CE, our continuing education. That's why we go to CE. That's why we're here at uh, Southwest Veterinary Symposium to get our CE. Yeah. So we can stay updated. Um, and, you know, the importance of that is yes, we need our continuing education, we need to get our hours, we need to stay updated in what's happening in modern veterinary medicine. So TVMA, like you said, is offering membership to LVTs. Um, it's just $40 a year. Mm -hmm. And what, what would you say to veterinary clinics that maybe want to cover the cost of the LVTs? Why would you say it's worth it? It allows the LVT to be more involved in their profession mm -hmm. because as TVMA members, it opens doors for us. It allows us to serve on committees, be more involved in the profession realize how much the profession can actually do for us. Um, our current numbers of LVTs and TV may are rising. Uh, last year we had it was 129, now we're up to 195. Uh, but the, the LVTs who may not be aware of that or may be thinking, well, you know, why do I need to join this organization? Um, because as a larger group, we can get more things accomplished. As an individual or a small group, we just can't do enough. So we need to understand the uh, the sustainability of that large organization and what that voice is again to the legislature. Mm -hmm. And do you have a favorite memory um, being involved in TVMA as an LVT? Probably my first TVMA conference. <laughs> um, I just can remember we had, Saul Ross had an exhibit there so we had a booth and just all the camaraderie and learning, everything that was available to us, you know, we were just you know, astounded that this association existed and how we could be involved in it. So probably that first conference is probably my best memory of it. Mm, that's nice. Well, I think that pretty much wraps everything up, unless there's anything you feel like listeners didn't get a chance to hear, anything you like to share. Yeah, I just, I think if, uh, you know, veterans or, you know, potential veterinary technician students are out there, you know, contact. Um, we also have another first for us is we have an LVT that serves on the TVMA Board of Directors, mm -hmm. David Sessom. Yeah. And you know, contact David, contact me, contact any of the technology programs. There's 11 programs in the state. Uh, we also, for the first time, we have an LVT that's serving on the state board. So that's uh, a first for us. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and that's Sue Allen. She's also the director of the McLennan Veterinary Technology Program. Okay. So we do have a lot of firsts that have happened in the last couple of years, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, any veterinarians that are you know, unsure or you know, maybe thinking about maybe sending a student to a program or mm -hmm. you know, sponsoring them, um, you know, reach out to us. You know, we'll explain everything about our programs, what they do, what the importance of it is, and how TVMA has been involved in it. <laughs>
That was Joyce Broad discussing the evolution of education for LVTs and the reason we still need more veterinary technology schools in Texas. You can find the list of veterinary technology schools on the AVMA website. I will include that link in the show notes. If you'd like to learn more about Joyce, her career path, and her role in organized veterinary medicine, you can read a feature article about her in the October 2018 issue of the Texas Veterinarian. Now, Joyce also discussed the benefits of LVTs belonging to TVMA. So if you're an LVT listening and you are not a member, please join today. It's $40 a year. And if you're a veterinarian that works alongside LVTs, consider investing in TVMA membership for them. Just visit tvma.org. Contact information for our membership manager, Donna Eberhardt, will be in the show notes. On the next episode of Veterinary Vitals, you'll hear from some familiar voices, Drs. Lori Teller and Nancy Turner. They talk about the rapid gender shift in veterinary medicine. Because it was so fast uh, that it caused lots of change, and it's not so much change in the profession itself, but cultural change. Find out what that cultural change entailed on the next episode. Also, you'll hear their backstory about how these two veterinarians became such good friends. For now, please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to Veterinary Vitals. I'm your host, Dina Goldstein from TVMA. Thank you.